Section 50 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. Section 50 Charlie Darwin or the Lady Gibbon. Part 4 settling down there is an excellent man in burma who is said to have lived many years upon nuts and an acquaintance of his told me he had been led to the discovery that this was the ideal food by the consideration that nuts must be the staple food of monkeys i suggested to vary his diet by a regular consumption of ants charlie was very fond of them she would even pause in eating cake to pick up an ant if she saw one i doubt if she would have done so for a nut she used to pick up any ant, even the smallest, with finger and thumb with the utmost facility, and put the prize between her fine teeth and crunch it. My wife had an egg in her hand one day on the veranda when she was talking to Charlie, who was sitting on the veranda rail. With sudden alacrity, Charlie grabbed the egg and, holding it with both hands, tried to break the shell with her teeth. She failed. It is likely all the eggs she had received from her mother in the woods had thinner shells than those of hens, and so she did not think of using much force. She turned the big egg round and round in her hands with looks of astonishment, and then, in a business-like way, as if she knew there was just one thing to be done, she broke it on the veranda railing on which she was sitting, and guzzled the contents with such gusto that she smeared her face and soiled her dainty fur with the yolk. The next time she received an egg she was supplied with a saucer to break it in, but never disguised her preference for the primitive way of doing she had learned in the woods. So, to make her use the saucer, my wife had herself to break the egg. The plan of education adopted was in the style of Rabelais. Do what you like, was the first commandment. Or she might be said to have accepted Goethe's gospel of self-culture, for she developed diligently she never was teased by any kind of collars chains or bonds there was never any restriction upon her except that of hunger which tethers us all and in satisfying her hunger she could do what she liked while the house was liberty hall to her and milk and fruit and rice and cakes and in short the necessaries of civilized life were there the garden was in dry weather preferred except of course at tea-time and at night of roses and orchids she could have said what the topper said of beer. She may have had too much, but never enough. To be quite candid, she eyed the opening buds as boys eye fruit. She seldom waited till they bloomed fully before she ate them. When such visitors as native ladies had natural flowers in their top decorations, they had to be warned against Charlie's attentions. It was funny to see her grave little face looking up at the lady caressing her, while the long, lithe arm was reached furtively round to the top or back of the lady's head, and the pretty flower there was deftly detached and brought to Charlie's lips, without any pretense of chivalry. One bad result of liberty, which happily did not take place, was suggested by the sad fate of a common brown monkey in Rangoon. It lived in the garden of a friend of mine, not far from the Scots church, and was quiet and respectable until it took to drink. Everything was done to reclaim it, and it was on the road to a complete reformation, 
when it unfortunately discovered, at the top of a toddy palm near where it lived, a pot into which a good deal of toddy had run. It could not resist the sudden temptation, and drank so much that it fell from the tree and broke its neck. It is well known that baboons are often sots, and the little brown monkeys are at times no better. Great, therefore, was my relief to see that Charlie, after sniffing the wines and spirits in the decanters one day, showed plainly that she did not like the smell. There were toddy palms near our house, too, but nothing ever induced her to try the effect of alcohol. In this matter, the saving clause, it now strikes me, was that there never was alcohol on the table till dinner-time, and by that time she was always asleep. The force of example is very great on these little bits of men and women, a susceptibility of theirs which is one of their most human characteristics. I once heard a man boasting of having seduced a pet monkey into carousing with him, and drinking beer enough to have a headache in the morning, just like Master. Charlie was never so tempted. Our house was an old-fashioned, comfortable wooden building, all on one floor, and the floor about ten feet above the ground, with a deep roof made of wooden shingles. When Charlie decided to run away no more, she selected as her sleeping place a part of the eaves with a convenient view of the interior, and yet far enough from the wall to be out of reach of anybody but a monkey or a bird. Unfortunately, for themselves, our pigeons had deserted their own little house and settled where Charlie decided to sleep. It was interesting and easy to watch what happened. Charlie took what room she wanted, and ignored their existence. For some weeks, I think, they lived together peaceably. Then the birds discovered that their new neighbor was fond of pigeons' eggs, and went away, not because they were meek, for pigeons are pugnacious birds, but because they could not defend their nests. Another gibbon, known to me in Burma, was less fortunate in his dealings with our feathered friends. He was so young and inexperienced that he treated crows as Charlie treated the pigeons, and was mobbed by them to such purpose that long afterwards, when he was full-grown and able to go with his mistress to the tennis court, holding on by her skirts or hand-in-hand hand with her, it was a favorite joke of wicked men to cry, Caw! 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 Thereat, in ecstasies of alarm, the little man deserted his mistress and ran and hid himself under the nearest bush. Luckily for Charlie, there were no crows in our yard, only pigeons, whom she could push aside with impunity. They accepted their fate, and the place where they had lived so long knew them no more. It was curious to see little Charlie, so weak that she trembled at a dog if it came within reach of her, thus exercising the law of the jungle, that might is right on what was weaker still. End of section 50. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.